Welcome everybody back to the Proven Waltz pod. I apologize, we started two minutes later. Only two minutes were lost, so it's a big loss. Uh, <laughs> uh, we I had a little bit of technical difficulty before we started the pod. For some reason, the my internet disconnected me. It was only on this laptop. It wasn't on my PC for some reason. So it's, we only lost two minutes, so it's nothing. So before we start, I'll, as always, I'll introduce my guest. Uh, it's Christopher's turn to be introduced first. How are you, Christopher? Uh, still a little bit in shock after the Daniel Peredo news that we got yesterday, unfortunately. But at the same time, we we had a – it wasn't that good of a game, but we had a Rosario game today, so excited to talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about both for sure. And Peter, uh, want to introduce yourself as always? Yes, hello. Um, again, apologies for the late start, but Brian was dealing with some hashtag Peru problems. Um, and that is <laughs> that is Wi-Fi crapped out just at the worst possible time. <laughs> then again, when does Wi-Fi ever crap out at a good time? It always seems right. to happen at just the worst possible moment. Now, um, I am looking at this, uh, I'm looking at this computer here and I can see what Christopher was saying about me looking blurry because it looks blurry on the stream as well. <laughs> I got this new HD camera all excited and I look like a doll. Like, I mean, anyway, let's let's get more serious for a more uh, touching topic. We're going to spend just a brief moment on this. So any Peruvian would know that Daniel Peredo unfortunately passed away yesterday. Uh, I don't know what, I don't know uh, how it happened, but like apparently he got a heart attack, so like a cardiac arrest. Don't really know the difference. And yeah, it's, um, very unfortunate that it happened, but I mean, you know, saying today we might be here tomorrow, we don't know what we will be. And yeah, well, it was the most, he was definitely the most loved through commentator out there. It, the news was huge, like, it was like if Paulo Guerrero died, it was something like if, if he died, it would be the impact would have been just as big. Yeah. So, the uh, what I want to talk about is I wanted to ask you guys. What is your favorite uh, Daniel Peredo quote? I'll start with uh, you, Christopher. Probably, to me, one of the most memorable ones was memorable ones was after the Ecuador game that we win in Quito two to one. Gloria Peru in Las Alturas, right? Mm -hmm. Glory to Peru in the highest. Yeah. Which is a pun because it's in the highest in English, but it's in the altitude, right? In, yeah. in up high in the mountains, mm -hmm. uh, and so. It was just a, such a historic moment, and, uh, and obviously he was—he uh, narrated all all those games that we're going to be watching thirty years from now, saying that's when Peru qualified for the World Cup again. Yeah, and how are you, Peter? I mean, my God, just the fact that there are so many shows how great of a commentator he was—just the classic combination of, you know, both knowledge of the game and the passion he had for his country. Um, the one that stands out for me, though was, and I think that this was probably, you could argue, his most famous goal called the Johan Fano goal against Argentina at the death um, when he was recapping what happened. Um, con el corazón de Vargas, con los huevos de Vargas. Um, <laughs> that one was just legendary. Uh, it still makes me laugh every time. I watched that immediately yesterday when I was looking at old clips um, just to kind of relive some of his best games, and that certainly stood out to me. I was certainly passionate because, well, that, that goal, a lot of Peru, all the Peruvians 
they uh, they yelled that out, of course, but it was the most pointless, important bowl in Brew history. Let's face it. I mean, right. Brew were already eliminated, and they only got a draw. So it was really just because we did not deserve to lose that game. Uh, my favorite quote, the two, my two favorite quotes, one that I always repeat to myself now, or say to friends, is, si no sufrimos no vale, which always means, if we don't suffer, it doesn't count. And that is probably my favorite of them all, because, I mean, I always find myself saying that to whenever, whenever I'm like a video game or something, or if I'm watching, if I'm watching like a really bad game, and like today this Fort Rosado game, I, I was thinking, si no sufrimos no vale, if I, we don't, if I don't suffer, it doesn't count for my, my analysis. So <laughs> I had to suffer through that. I'm sorry, Christopher. I know you. I know it's your team or your city team, anyways. But it was mm -hmm. a terrible game. We'll, we'll get on to that later. And si no es, no sé si es justo, pero es cierto, which means I don't know if it's fair, but it's true, which is also a very, very truthful quote for sure. It's the way. It's the good way of looking at life, not looking at what ifs and whatnot. So yeah, really sad that he passed away. We was. To, he was really passionate about football. He was, he knew how to debate. He knew how to have fun, how to laugh. I unfortunately never got to meet him as a journalist. I was hoping to someday, but that they will never come now. So, yeah, mm. uh, that's a little tribute to Daniel Pereira. Or in the edited version of this, I'll include the, uh, I'll include a little special intro, along with a Peru Campion song, and um, yeah, I'll include a little special intro for it, and then. Uh, yeah, the, the, you won't see it on the YouTube version, but you'll see it here. So let's move on to the Copa Sudamericana now. So rest in peace, and Pereira. Uh, you will never be forgotten. Now, before I wanted to move on to the Copa Sudamericana, I just wanted to say that I don't know what happened to my camera, but it's really bothering me right now. I just bought it really excited. It looks great on here, but it doesn't. It, 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 I can't take it off either because I need to see the chat. That's the worst part. So I gotta suffer through it. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, anyways, anyways, let's begin. So to, uh, first, before we go to Sport Rosario, this should be the first match we're talking about. But last week, we briefly previewed uh, Sport Moncayo against Unión Española. And I said they were gonna lose. They didn't lose, so they, didn't, they certainly surprised me. And I think that. Um, that was a very surprising result. I, I was quite impressed. Sure, they were a bit they were a bit poor in the final third. Their decision making was non-existent, but I was pretty uh, maybe, maybe not impressed, but I was surprised for sure. I did not expect Juancaro to go there and get a draw when they're so awful away from home in Peru. They they they, they didn't win this past yesterday. Yes, yeah. this past weekend they, they couldn't win even yesterday. Peter, I know you saw this game. How do you uh, how do you see this match? How did you see uh, the tactics? How did you see the um, how did you see Unión Española and so on? Uh, well, first of all, your camera actually looks great, by the way. Finally, um, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Can, it turned out. Celebrate. Um, so there's you know one point to Brian Birdie. Um, no sé si justo, solo sé que es cierto. Yeah. <laughs> just, just in memory of Ferrero, we'll just keep dropping quotes of his mm -hmm. all all show Let's long. do that. Let's do that. Um, or at least we'll try to. Um, but anyway, as for the game itself from earlier tonight, um, I mean, I still don't know how Sport Rosario walked out with a draw. And not I only that, yeah. but... I think we got distracted. We're talking about Sport Oncayo. Uh, sorry, Sport Oncayo. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for, for correcting keep, me from I'll, embarrassing I'll myself. The, I'll keep the error in 
from when uh, we ended it. But let's let's get let's keep on let's stay on focus. We we just we just had banter this whole part. Let's stay on task, okay? Yeah. Uh, anyway, so, um, so, oh, yeah. so if anybody did read my tactical recap on the Proving Waltz, I mean they'll pretty much know how this game played out. But to those who maybe didn't catch it all, give them a brief recap. Um, I mean, Juan Cayo did a great job of just neutralizing Union's attack, and they got what they needed. Now, you would hope that from a Juan Cayo point of view, they use the home advantage well, unlike Sport Rosario, which we'll get onto later. Um, but they were just, they were brilliant, timely pressing. Uh, they retreated when they had to, they countered when they had to. Uh, they doubled up the flanks to prevent space out wide in case Union tried to spread the play. Um, they maybe could have utilized Naoman more, but I think overall they still created a couple of decent chances, just couldn't really finish them. And uh, overall, though, a solid result, I think, in the end. And, you know, yes, in any other situation, maybe a little bit of, a, of an issue because they didn't score, but as long as they use every single advantage of theirs at home, then I think a nil-nil is just fine. Yeah, a nil-nil is fine. I mean, there's the danger of the away goal, but uh, I think as long as they play in one Kayo, I think they should win because they're really good at home. They have bottled it in South America before in continental competitions. They have bottled it, um, thinking particularly against Sol America where they just could win. But they also, they also, they've also been. I mean, for the most part, they haven't been terrible at home. They, I think, their record at home is better than their record is better than their loss record. I think they haven't lost at home in South America yet. Uh, even when they lost 9-0 to Defensor Sporting, the return leg, they actually won. So uh, that's something that keeps me optimistic. And I'm, I'm, I think they'll go through now. I wasn't so sure at the beginning, but that result was really favorable for them. And, I mean, i got to keep my expectations low because in New Spain, I could easily draw. For Onkayo, or at least not, at least in the uh, competition, they're known for not extinguishing their opponent in um, in the Sumericana. Uh, or the Libertadores, they just kind of like they just score and then they they just they're happy with the one 0 and that that was a bit risky. This this cost them the qualification specifically in South America. So yeah, I thought Cortlick was the best player of the match. Everyone says Marcos Yuya, but Marcos Yuya, all he did was uh, show his skills on the ball, but whenever he had to make his pass, it just didn't come out for him. Yeah, and I I, I've been I've been a bit disappointed with him this season so far because he's not been as He's not been as unpredictable as he used to be. He's um, he's been a bit disappointing. But yeah, Unión Española were really poor in my opinion. They just did the same play over and over again. The crosses were terrible from those parts. So I'll go over to Christopher before uh, uh, ramp on anymore. Christopher, what do you think? What do you think of this match? Well, with exception of uh, what, what's his name, Rodrigo Colombo, right? Who yes. who got the red card? We saw the red at the end there. Uh, I think that the defense uh, did a pretty good job on on such an important game away from home. Uh, I would agree with most of what you guys have been saying. I think because it's Peru, right? We can't say that we have any game in the bag, and we've been saying this week after week as we go through Libertadores and now through Sudamericana. But uh, but considering that Huancayo, like we were saying last week, is also uh, their stronghold, then. Uh, the, hopefully, yeah. Then hopefully, we will see a good match on on the second leg, uh, and especially, especially if they can keep them from from scoring that away goal, uh, like uh, Brian was saying a second ago. That was my only concern that the lack of the away goal. But 
I was also concerned about them losing. So I guess <laughs> I'll, I'll take what I can get. So, um, yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to add, Peter or Christopher, before we can move on to sports audio? I did kind of want to say one thing, and it was kind of related to what you said about Yulia, because um, he's going to have to really improve if Wankaya want to get the result at home in the second leg. Um, but some other players who I think maybe I think Wankayo need more out of, uh, Sebastian Lojas and Luis Trujillo, who both played out wide in the first leg and obviously play out wide most of the time. They weren't too impactful outside of the opening minutes in the first half, I thought. Um, but on the contrary, I thought Alfredo uh, Rojas and Ricardo Salcedo were brilliant in the heart of midfield, um, especially defensively. Maybe not so much going forward, but in terms of just you know nullifying and restricting Union's attack, um, I thought they were very, very good, and they will probably also be key in the second leg as well. But they're going to need more from their wide forwards, especially. They... Well, first of all, Marcio Valverde was missing. I mean, he was poor yesterday, yeah, but I still think he's a very, very good player. I still think he's one of the most underrated players in the league, one of the most underrated midfielders. But my main concern, at least what I saw yesterday, and it changed in the second half with Neumann and Guyo coming on, and this is a, this is a totally different game from Unión Española, but it kind of it's it kind of still relevant to this. Um, so with Juan Cayo, the, both their fullbacks overlap. They play really high up. Right, and they they leave one midfielder back with two the two center backs stay back the midfielder stay back that's how good likes to play, and it, it can be concerning because they're very vulnerable to the counter in my opinion, but I think in one Kyle they should be able to handle them. I think the set pieces are the most uh, dangerous thing for Mirafanola. That's that's what's going to be anyways. That's what it was against a few uh, a few of the past opponents, and yeah, the second leg's not for a while, so we're not. I mean, it'll be pointless to discuss it now. Maybe something changes in a few months that we don't know about. It's like it'll be like discussing uh, our final World Cup squads. Now we're not going to discuss our final World Cup squads. We're going to discuss well our first preliminary World Cup squad of today. We're not going to discuss the final one, but I think you get my point. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, I think one guy are going to go through. I wasn't. I did not expect to say that before, but I do think they will go through now. And I yeah. I'm happy they got the draw. I'm happy they surprised me. Uh, as always, the Peruvians, I don't always expect them to win, but if they're going to surprise me, go for it. That's, I, I'm still supporting them at all times. So, Yeah, all right, let's move on to Sport Rosario, which was another no-no draw, although in my opinion, this one was even less thrilling because the quality of football was just subpar from both sides. I'll let Christopher go first because he's the one I see. No, Christopher, how did you see this match? Well, it was interesting. I think... Oh, man, I think Rosario continues to have the same problem that I saw uh, that I think has carried over from last season that I keep kind of bringing up is that I feel like they have a pretty decent defense, right? But when it comes to attack, they just can't get – they can't coordinate amongst themselves. They can't – they weren't able to break uh, Cerro defensively this this time. And it kind of happened – the same thing kind of happened last, last uh, weekend with Utese. As we saw them, I mean, they won 4-0, right? But Utese was coming from a lot of games, right, that week. They they have traveled out of the country and back, and, and they had been kind of a, a really messy week. with, Or they hadn't traveled out of the country, but they had traveled from – they had an international match, and it was kind of a messy week for them. So in the first half, it was kind of that stalemate. And uh, in the second half, out of exhaustion, I feel like Utese gave in, and all the goals came from, from Sport Rosario. 
this time around, the Sport Rosario was not able to wear down their opponent, right? And that was and that was their tactic all along. Honestly, Cerro did not care if they did not reach goal, right? They, they all they care about was not losing that game, right? So therefore, for them, it's it's really a great, you know, that zero zero draw in Juarez for them. That is a that is a great match for Rosario. That was their chance to get ahead so that they can have a good second leg. And unfortunately, they lost that. Um, I think that none of, not, honestly, like none of the players really stand out to me uh, much, right? Everybody, especially up front, that up front there was a few chances. They created a few chances, very scarce chances. But and those that they had, they they basically wasted them. Uh, there was nothing, nothing really clear. Yeah, I totally agree with uh, everything there. Except for one thing, and this is—I still agree. I still see your point to an extent. I'm just basing mm -hmm. on this one match. I, I've seen Rosario in the other matches. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just basing on this one match. One point: mm -hmm. the defense today was very, very poor, in my opinion. Hasawi okay. and Beltran were well, not so much Beltran, but Hasawi was an open door, while Beltran was just error prone the entire match. So there were two different types of mis there were two different types of mistakes in them. One was just letting. Agustin Santana was the player of the match, in my opinion, for mm -hmm. Cerro, and he was just he was just going in. I believe it was his right flank, anyways. It was his right flank as I was left, and he was just going in like it was his, it was his own it was a door to his own house. So he was he was he was causing he was causing a lot of danger, and I'll talk about how we offensively in a second. But Beltran made I want to say two or three errors that could have cost them the goal. There was was one where. He had he instead of passing it back to the keeper like he was supposed to, there are two forwards versus one. Instead of clearing it to pass it back to the keeper, he held on and one one of the forwards from Atletico Cerro won the ball back and he absolutely he accidentally backheeled it on uh, when he had an open goal. So that was one of the situations. Another one was where he was just completely missing and one of the Atletico Cerro forwards was going through and it, he was on a break. But I I I, I kind of forget what happened after that. But I, I think Levan saved it. But uh, the point is, he was really, really error prone. Whereas Hasawi was just an open door, which two different types of mistakes for me. Um, now, as for Hasawi, he um, he was bad in defense. Uh, we've already established that, but up front, he was also very inconsistent. There are some plays that were decent, and others that were just horrid. And I think the main problem with Rosario was, as Christopher said, the attack. And uh, what Christopher didn't say was that they did they always did an extra dribble, and that. That at least later in the match, they always had an extra unnecessary dribble. It was like what Ronaldo does with the, the side steps, but the Ronaldo actually knows how to do it. That's the difference. He's a world-class <laughs> player. He's a world-class player. Right. But these guys, these guys aren't. And <laughs> it, 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 just seemed, it just seemed pointless. There's no need to do those extra side steps or those extra dribbles because they always lost the ball. It was really easy to get off on them. Mm. The only exception, in my opinion, that, that was playing intelligently in the attack and was uh, was playing well in general was Echemaite, who created a few chances for himself. But as Christopher said again, he was wasteful. So yeah, I think he, I think Christopher nailed it there with uh, his analysis. And yeah, it was a very poor performance. Uh, I, I do like Ronaldo Andia, which he's the right back. I, I didn't think he had a terrible game. I thought it was the standout of the four defenders. I thought Kim and Knobo were much better than uh, Beltran and Hasawi. But, yeah, what I saw, Sororo Sadio aren't going through us to this because that was their chance to win. 
And unfortunately, Atletico Cerro are very good, and we saw it here. But I think they're better than Sportosario, and that's that's the sad truth, in my opinion. Anyways, it's a sad opinion of that I have, and I think that I don't. They can get the away draw, but I don't think they'll do it. I think they. Uh, I think they're gonna lose on the night as well. So, Peter, I'll go over to you. Uh, uh, what do you think of this game? Well, you guys pretty much said it all. I don't really have much to add other than maybe just one little caveat about the attack. And I mean, what Brian said was completely correct about just being, I think, a little bit too cute with the ball when they didn't really have to be. And at the beginning of the second half, this was especially apparent when the likes of Raul Tito and Chanchito Gonzalez were a little more direct and were just playing at a higher tempo and running at the Cerro defense, that's when most of their clear-cut, sorry, most of their clear-cut chances were created. And somehow, some way, they strayed away from that after the hour mark, and then Cerro just, you know, shut up shop, closed in the, the half spaces, the central areas, and then Rosario kind of reverted back to what they were doing in the first half, which was not very good. Um, and it, it just ended up costing them in the end. Um, and it was really surprising in a lot of ways, because given that, you know, like I said, they were at, you know, in the altitude, they're at home, a pretty full stadium considering the day and time. Um, and yet they didn't take advantage of it all. But yeah, again, they were wasteful, but I thought that they just did not play with enough intensity, which considering who their coach is and Pablo Abraham, of course, a disciple of Jorge Sampaoli, um, you would think that they would play with a lot more of a, of a faster tempo, especially going forward. Yeah, I, that's something I didn't mention uh, at all. They were playing really, really slow, and that was was so frustrating. I mean, if they played f- fast and, and they were wasteful, you know what, fine. I mean, they're not one of the best teams in Peru. We know that. And you could at least create chances and miss them. It'll frustrate me still, but it won't frustrate me to the extent where it just look, looks like they're disinterested, looks like they're not trying. So. Yeah, Atletico Cerro didn't really do anything right either. They were just, they were just uh, kind of like playing off um, Rosario's mistakes. <laughs> so, yeah. If you guys don't have anything to add, I guess we can uh, move on. So, if you guys want to jump in, just let, uh, just let me know. And we don't really have to briefly mention Cristal because we kind of did it last week, and the match is still tomorrow. So, we'll talk about Cristal next week. Uh, when they actually play, oh, they're always playing tomorrow, but we'll talk about the actual match next week. And I guess we can jump into our next section, which is uh, a, uh, not a preview, a review of uh, Alain Salima versus Sporting Cristal, which is always the big game of Peru. We're not going to talk about the whole week, just about this specific game. And yeah, a frustrated Alain Salima, they lost 2-0, and Cristal didn't even look particularly good in the night, but they won comfortably. So, Peter, how do you see this game? Well, we didn't learn much about Ali or Alianza Lima that we didn't already know, and that is their fullbacks in Francisco Duclos and Luis Garros are terrible. Um, and Cristal clearly, I mean, it doesn't take a qualified coach or even you know a, a hardcore fan to notice this. They were trying to exploit the fullbacks, specifically Duclos. And it came off for them a couple times. I was still a little bit disappointed that the likes of Fernando Pacheco weren't really thriving out wide. Um, but look, I mean, I I think the game in a lot of ways changed from two things, which I think we'll probably mention in a little bit, the red card. And then of course the penalty, which Emmanuel Herrera buried pretty decisively. Um, 
you can maybe say that Carlos Asquez was a bit of a miss um, starting. I think that when Kevin Quevedo came on, the game changed a little bit for for Alianza. Once again, no Quevedo, no party, and I've been proven <laughs> right. Um, yeah, and you know, it was just from Alianza's point of view, it's almost shocking how just dull the attack looks. And yes, Tomas Costa is supposed to be sort of the the central figure in that. Um, and maybe he needs a bit of time to settle in. But at the moment, it's really hurting Alianza. Whereas with Cristal, yes, they lose the top score from last year in Irvin Avila. But it just goes to show you that if you establish the right system and you provide service to the striker, which they are doing, then that player is going to thrive. And I think, just to kind of wrap it up on Cristal's point of view, uh, it's clear that Mario Salas has reorganized the defense, which was absolutely terrible last year. And he's finally got this team playing a little more of an attractive system, even though they weren't great on Sunday. Um, they were still very effective. And I think that he has to be commended for that. Yeah, the important thing for a good team like Cristal is to grind out results, and especially against a team like Alianza away from home. But then there's a single game at Matuta last year. Uh, they, that, grinding out, that was a very good result to grind out, even if you weren't playing particularly great. Yeah, Francisco Duclos and Luis Garro, they're terrible. They, um, not sure what Alianza was thinking and not signing. They signed Jose Godino, who could play on the left. I think he can even play. No, no, just the left, sorry. And he's quite, he's not the most, he's not the best player. He kind of reminds me of Aldo Corso a little bit. He's more defensive than anything. And I think he could be a better option. I don't think he's particularly great, but I think he's definitely a better option than uh, Francisco Duclos. Mm-hmm. And Luis Garro is, both of them are Segunda Division quality, in my opinion. And oh. yeah, Boca, Boca Junior, uh, okay, Junior, what an I'm not going to make straight assumptions. I, I think Junior will go through that leg, but Boca Junior and Palmeiras are going to have an absolute field day on those wings. Pablo and Jimmy oh, yeah. Chara, if Jorge Palmeiras having those two wings, which I'm expecting them to be good because they're Brazilian, so <laughs> they're, um, they're they're definitely not. It's, I'm definitely not looking forward to that. Uh, that's that's going to be a tough one. So, yeah, Christopher, how do you see this game? Uh, I'll, I'll let you do some of your thoughts. Well, something I'm going to bring up, and this is also I bring it up also because this is one of uh, Daniel Pereira's last tweets was how horrible the ref was during the game. Uh, I mean, it's kind of questionable whether that that red card at the end, what actually happened, and if it was worthy of a red to, yeah. to kind of send off a player for what they say. I think it was a curse word, if I'm not mistaken. There was some kind of like little dis- debate discussion between the player and the ref, and there goes the red card, right? And it's almost questionable on whether that that was really fair. Um, I mean, the, I would also say I'm I'm trying to remember mentally what the what led to that penalty, but you know that that right there I think tells you that the penalty maybe wasn't uh, as clear, right? Maybe uh, wasn't something that shouldn't have been given. Uh, anyways, I think things kind of played in favor of Cristal, right? I think there was the, well, I guess there was bad refereeing decisions for both sides, you could say. Uh, but still, though, uh, I think Cristal were more, way more efficient, and I think that speaks well uh, of them. Uh, come their game coming up against the news, hopefully um, that that it won't be as bad as uh, I originally thought that it was going to be. 
And at the same time, yeah, I would agree. I would agree with most of what you said, and especially that, unfortunately, Alianza Lima is going to have a horrible time in the Libertadores. I know there's agreements there. So I guess it's enough of the game. It was kind of a short recap, but it was just we're just talking about one game. Peter, did you want to say something based on the uh, on that side? Um, well, on the re- I did actually have something else to say, but I will mention the yeah. on the refereeing side. Um, I did not have a problem with him sending off Ramirez um, because he just got booked, and then a couple minutes later he's arguing with the referee. Like you can't. You, you really shouldn't be doing that. Players do it all the time, I know, but there has to be more respect for the referees. They have such a tough time as it is. They probably have one of the most difficult jobs in sports, if not the most difficult. Um, you could certainly look at that penalty incident in the first half and immediately say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's definitely a penalty. He has one angle to look at that and has to make a split-second decision. With And this is, of course, the biggest game in Peru, so there's a lot of pressure on him. Um you know, everything else, yeah, I, I don't think he called a very good game. I think there were fouls that he called that really shouldn't have been fouls. That last red card on Cespedes really shouldn't have been, in, in my eyes. Um, but to say he had, you know, if you want to say he had a bad game based on the other stuff, yes. I had no problems with the, with the Ramirez red card because he should have known better. Penalty was, I mean, again, 50-50. Um, but Alianza were, were pretty poor on the night. I don't think it would have been much of a difference. I think Sporting Cristal would have eventually got the breakthrough. Um, and then lastly, just to kind of recap it, I do want to point out, speaking of Cespedes, actually, uh, I thought he and Johan Madrid on both flanks at fullback were very, very good, unlike Alianza's fullbacks. Um, and of course, we see how important that position is becoming in the modern day game. Uh, and it looks like Sporting Cristal have a couple of, of good ones this year, which will really help them in their uh, push for the title. Yeah, I, I didn't mention that as well. And Bayon had a very good game as well. Yes. Um, there's someone else. Uh, I thought the forwards had a regular game. I don't think they were anything special. I will say Gabriel Costa's improved a lot under Mario Salas. I used to not rate him at all, but uh, he's definitely improved a lot. And this, yeah, I I like what I've seen from him so far. Cristal, I'm quite optimistic for the chances against Lanús tomorrow. So, as you guys know, I, I thought they've improved a lot. So, yeah, let's hope let's hope they do well. And. Um, I was surprised about Ramirez because, I mean, an experienced player like him, you'd expect more. Like, you'd expect he's, what, 31 now? I mean, I'm surprised he definitely uh, argued with the ref after he already got booked. Sometimes these footballers just can't hold their frustration, unfortunately, so no matter the age. So, yeah, anyways, let's move on. Um, I guess this is a good time to answer questions. So, yeah, I'm just going to check with you. Peter, you you have the questions. Um, I do. Um, so we did get one question this week and thank you again to those who are submitting questions. We're actually surprised we actually get at least one every week. So thank you for that. Um, and again, if you do want to get in your questions in the future, uh, you can tweet at Peru Waltz. You can tweet either, either of us really will see it at Galindo PW, myself, Brian at Brian or at B underscore Bertie 98. And then, uh, Christopher at Viz underscore FC. Um, you know, all our Twitter handles. It's good. Yes, I do. I'm, I have to write them in the podcast description, so they're etched in my memory uh, each and every single week. But anyway, the question is, um, who are some bright U18 players to watch in La Primera? Unfortunately, I don't have the Twitter handle. Uh, Brian, If maybe if he can provide that, uh, then thank you. But anyway. It was, it, was a question, it was a question we got on Facebook. Uh, it was by Abel Gamarra, 
who's actually one of who's actually a friend of mine in New Zealand. So okay. shout out to him. Okay. Um, awesome. uh, so yeah, I guess with that, um, well, we did pick out three talents, but I'll let Brian introduce them and maybe uh, explain a little bit about them to start off. Yeah, I think the I think it's inevitable that the three talents are Jairo Concha, Christopher Olivares, and Fernando Pacheco. I almost forgot them, but <laughs> those are the three talents. Those are the, those are the three talents. Um, all very exciting players. Uh, I'm probably. It's kind of funny because I, I I'm a big fan of all of them, and I've been the one the one I've been longest following is the one I'm the least fan of Fernando Pacheco. Although I still think he's very good. Uh, I'll let Peter talk about it first because Peter and I have been following Pacheco since the under 20s last year when he got called at 17. What do you think about Pacheco on his start, Peter? Well, it's good that he is getting regular minutes under Salas. I think that's going to help his development. The one thing I will say though is is that I'm not a fan of him playing out wide. I know he can play there. I would much prefer him to see him playing centrally. Of course, that can happen because Herrera has had a great start to the season. Three goals uh, in as many games. And he's also got Christopher Olivares, who is going to be competing with him up there. So even though he's playing out wide, I think he can maybe make that position his own. I just think he's adapting to not only becoming a, a full-time starter, but also adapting to the rigors of the professional game. He's playing against, obviously, grown men who are much stronger, faster, and are more intelligent just tactically in terms of their positioning. So I think there's going to be a bit of a learning curve with him. Um, but look, he's still 18 years old. And the fact that Salas is utilizing what is actually a pretty impressive crop of, of 1999 players at Cristela, must be said, uh, is great to see because you also got Olivares coming in as a substitute, as I'm sure we're going to mention later on. But yeah, um, a talented player, very good finishing on him, which it must be said, and actually quite fast as well. Um, technically, he's okay. I think that's one area he can improve in, especially if he has to play out wide. You want to put uh, Fernando Pacheco's a 10? Because I, I seem to recall when he started at Cristal at 16, when he debuted, he played mostly as a 10. That's right. And who is the 10 right now, Cristal? Um, I've kind of gone blank here. Herrera <laughs> is the striker, and Pacheco's more of a 10, I would say, than a striker. Yeah, I, I, I don't think – I'm pretty sure Cristal don't really utilize a 10. I guess you could say Calcaterra's kind of one, but, like, yeah, it's, like it's more – it's more, it's more Casulo as a defensive midfielder. Right. So I would I would say that they don't really have a ten, but like if you can fit that into the system, then I think Pacheco will thrive. Yeah. But you're not you're not gonna fit in a you're not gonna fit in you're gonna choose the system to fit in an 18, 18 year old. So it's kind of risky. Yeah. Unless he's messy, but he's not messy. So <laughs> uh, I'll talk about Hyder Concha now because I've been following Hyder Concha more than you guys. Uh, we've discussed this before. I've been following Jairo Concha since the Copa Mitad del Mundo last year in Ecuador. I follow him in the Peru under the teens. That's also where I discovered Osling Mora and Christopher Olivares. Pacheco was also there, but I already knew who he was, so he wasn't really a novelty. <laughs> it wasn't really anything new to me. And Jairo um, Concha is a very dynamic midfielder, and he's had a brilliant start to his Premier uh, and uh, debut. He's had a brilliant start to his career. In Peru, and I think he's the future number eight in, in for the national team because I, I really rate him. He's at San Martin, he's been the best player so far, and yeah, he's Categoria 1999, which he should turn he does the Walter 19 this year, and yeah, he's um, he's definitely one to watch out for. I, I highly, if you haven't seen him and you're Peruvian, I highly recommend you watch the San Martin game. He's do he's he's a, he's a really good duo with Jordan Givin right now. 
and he's he's doing really well for the side, providing good passes. Always he always looks forward. He never looks back, and he's, that's that's really it's really good to have a positive footballer like that again here in Peru. Uh, let me let me interject right there and talk a little bit about Concha too. Uh, I think that we were discussing this last week, obviously how how Universitario at some moments has used uh, the fact that they have young players as an excuse to do to do poorly on the league. And I think Concha is the, the perfect example of a player that he has, what, less than 10 games in the first division, yeah. but he has constantly been, at least on, on, on Peruvian Walt's website, uh, you know, starting or best 11. Um, yeah. And I think he's also been in, in many other websites and media. Uh, and honestly, he's, he's uh, showing that he's not kind of just like a, a one-game player, you know, has one good game, but he's showing, starting to show some consistency. And that is something really promising of someone that is 18 years old, not even 19. Uh, and I might have some, some more comments about him uh, in a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, Poncha, Poncha is, um, well, first of all, you, you all know I'm a big fan of Osling Mora. He hasn't gotten his chance yet for Alianza, but I wanted to say that he probably will be the starter in the next under-20 squad for Peru, which is going to have Pacheco, Pacheco, Olivares, Concha, and Mora. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, Mora, um, um, what was the name? Ahmed, Ahmed is a big fan of Mora. Uh, he's always calling out for the sparrings in uh, with the first with the first Peruvian national team side. And yeah, Mora is um, easy. Uh, he's another player to keep an eye out. He hasn't debuted yet. He probably won't debut for a long time because Bingoche just doesn't have him in his plans at the moment. But he's a, he's a brilliant player, as as Peter obviously knows. I've been hyping him up for about a year now. Not not not, not a year, but like half a year. Well, and close close to a year, Brian. Let, let's not exaggerate here. You I say I say for I'd, a while. I'd say since August. So I, yeah, it, it'll be like half a year. Maybe. But yeah. Those are four players to keep an eye out, uh, on. I, I added an extra one. And I'll add one more in Jose Bolivar, who I think is going to get more game time for San Martin this season. I don't know why he's not starting. I guess it's because they trust Akendo a more. So a good start, but we're not going to talk about him because he's not Peruvian. And I believe he's 1998 anyways. Yes. So uh, one more we can talk about, and we almost forgot him, is Paulo de la Cruz, who has had a kind of up-and-down start. Like, he's, he's showing his talent, but he's showing he's still raw. So... I think that we have uh, gambled with a few youngsters, and some have worked well, others have not. Paulo de Cruz has worked well at the start. He's showing showing his cap- what he's capable of, while others have not worked out good, like Barco, who just an open door for Lau in the course of position. And yeah, it's um, we'll, we'll talk about this in another pod, but I think that we'll have a uh, going to be in a bit of trouble because if Corso does well at the World Cup, then he'll probably be off for another club. So we'll talk about that in another pod. That's for another time completely. But that's one worry that for low that I should bring up. No one's really discussing it. But yeah, Coach is totally taking the league by storm. Yes. Everyone is mentioning him in Peru now. How he's a really good player and how they're surprised and yada yada yada. It's um, it's definitely a, um, he's, I recommend you check him out if you haven't seen him yet. So yeah, now we're gonna move on to the last part of the pod, the most exciting part, and. Luckily, we have more time to talk about this than I than I was expecting. I was in a fifteen minute talk, but we're gonna have a discussion in twenty minutes because it's twenty minutes up to the pod. Our preliminary World Cup squad, the first version, which we're gonna have several versions. I'm gonna try and get one out per month, maybe 
yeah, I think per month is good actually. I'll decide on that after. Uh, but yeah, I have my Excel sheet with me. I have I have all the names with me. It was kind of hard to make this actually because oh yeah, I still think there's some depth problems. If well, you gotta give these players a chance. They have talent even in the proven league. And yeah. Uh, I'll be willing to go last. So, Christopher, why don't you go first okay. uh, for your list? Why don't you read us your list and we can discuss it a little bit? Okay. Yeah, I'm going to first of all just give like a 10 second introduction to this. Basically, my train of thought was kind of looking at the last few calls that uh, Gareka has done, right? He's tried a lot of different players. And uh, my, my logic was just kind of try to see if those players would still be someone that they that Gareca would consider so you're probably not going to see a lot of surprises right that they're all familiar names uh and i'm going to start with galese Cáceda, carvalho penny and butron right now araujo rodriguez ramos cela santa maria loyola trauco corso advincula abraham and counts. <laughs> and then midfielders, uh, Polo, Flores, Carrillo, Cueva, Hurtado, Tapia, Cartagena, Aquino, Yotun, Gomez, Peña, and I will, I did add Concha. And then forwards, Ruiz Diaz, Guerrero, Farfán, Da Silva, Reina, Benavente, and eh, Asquez. Mm, two two interesting ones. Uh, Concha is definitely a bold one. Uh, Asquez, if he does play well the, the season, I, I can see him getting called back, just as the others were. Uh, the only player I can't see called back, and this is not one you included, but uh, it was mm -hmm. one that I was thinking of adding on my list. Uh, Carlos Zambrano, who is not even mentioned anymore in uh, in Gareca's plans. No surprise there, really. Well, that's because he also isn't starting for Dinamo Kiev. He has two internationals to surpass, so he's going to be basically an established backup, I would assume, unless there's a yeah. suspension or injury. So, okay, well, uh, Sembrano is a child on the field. That is, yeah, I think that is true. Problem. And so because of that, I, he's part of that generation that left, and I do not want to see that. Right? Unless he really improves his game and he starts uh, you know, maturing. Yeah, but you know, why don't you why don't you comment a little bit on Christopher's list? Uh, I kind of briefly did it, and before I come back to it, why don't you go first? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I have no qualms with that. Um, mm -hmm. In fact, some your so-called surprises, I actually have one of them in in my squad as well. So um, okay. I'll, I'll mention it when, of course, I get to it. But okay. um, yeah, I mean, look, it's I, I think that if, if you're kind of putting your Gareca thinking cap on, that is pretty much what he would do. And I think that the Concha call-up, look, if he continues to play well for, you know, the next month or so or next few weeks, why not give him a call-up, right? You can never have too many central midfielders, especially when, um, you know, going into this next cycle, you're probably going to want to start bringing in new guys, trying to see how they can settle in and whatnot. So I, I don't really see the problem with it. Yeah, and not only that, part of my logic of why I included Concha is because this is 35, right? And this is going to get weeded down to 23. You're going to mm -hmm. leave a, a whole team plus one out of this list, right? Yeah. So considering that we don't have that many players that can be called up that are really like at the international level where they could be play a World Cup, some of these spots kind of got filled as honorable mentions in my right. kind of in my train of thought. And I think that for a young player like Concha, 
it's not a bad idea, you know. I mean, you're really giving the the kid. I mean, like, let's be honest. Like, Pele played at his first World Cup. He was 17. Yep. Right. So it's not it's not a crazy uh, thought to have such a young player on the list of 35. That doesn't mean that he's going to make it to the World Cup, but uh, that at least tells the kid, hey, you're in the right right path, and you should continue to to play like you're playing. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. And Gareca did the same thing at the Copa America 2016 to rebuild. Uh, of course, there are not many players that was as young as Conchal. I think the youngest one's Beto da Silva. But um, yeah, that's a good point. And I can, it could definitely be possible. I definitely don't think he'll go to the World Cup, but I think it would be possible to uh, have him on the list. I, although I didn't have him on my list. So yeah. Um, so that would be Christopher's list. If you guys have anything else to add, we can go to Peter. Okay, I guess I'll uh, step up to the plate here. So uh, the only slight difference between, in terms of like the numbers, between Christopher's and mine is that I only had four goalkeepers. I kind of went with like the so-called traditional uh, call-up list and that, you know, 35 means four goalkeepers usually. So um, the same exact as Christopher minus Diego Penny, I went with Gaese, Caseda, Carvalho, and Butron. So the defenders, I believe, are also the exact same. Um, the right backs, Albuquerque, Luis Advincula, no surprises there. The center backs go as follows, Christian Ramos, Alberto Rodriguez, Miguel Araujo, Anderson Santa Maria, Adrian Sela, Luis Abram, and Alexander Cayens. And then the left backs being Miguel Trauco and Nilsson Loyola. So no surprises there. Then my so-called central midfielders, I just kind of grouped everybody who kind of play can play in that deeper role, like in the Tapio Yotun positions. Um, they were, of course, Renato Tapia, Yoshimar Yotun, Wilder Cartagena, Pedro Aquino, and Carlos Asquez. That is where we kind of get similar, uh, Christopher and I, and mm-hmm. also uh, Sergio Peña. Then the central attacking midfielders, Christian Cueva, Christian Benavente, uh, Jefferson Farfan, uh, Paulo Hurtado, and then the other like wide players that I called up as well, um, which might be a slight surprise here, but I needed to fill in names. Uh, were Jose Manzanera, Edison Flores, uh, Andre Carrillo, Andy Polo, and Alexi Gomez. And then my forwards, um, Paulo Guerrero, Raul Ruiz Diaz, Jordi Reina, Irvin Avila, and Alex Sucar and Beto da Silva are round up the, the forward positions. Okay, so kind of a similar list to Christopher, although all the lists are going to be similar, I think. Based on these two, I think I had the most surprises. And yeah, Christopher, why don't you go step to the plate first? What, what do you think of that um, on that one? Okay, so I, I think my first question right off the bat would be why why Irvin Avila? I mean, he had a pretty good season with Cristal last year. I don't know if he's quite up to par this year. Uh, but I mean, what was kind of your logic behind that? So, yes, obviously the top scorer last year. Um, but he has been, I think, a very good all-around striker for Lobos so far this season. I think if it wasn't for him, that attack would be absolutely dreadful. Julian Quinones wouldn't be able to thrive as much up front. And I think that if you want to kind of throw on someone who I think will uh, maybe not so much be a scoring boost, but just someone who can kind of get everybody involved, like maybe Jefferson Farfan can push up with him. You can have Flores or whoever plays out on the right cut inside and help him. Um I feel like he just gives you a nice alternative to Paolo as well as Rui Diaz. Um, because I feel Somewhere like in the middle. Having, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, again, it's a 35 man squad, right? And I feel like his form over the past couple months with Lobos, as well as going back last year with Cristal, 
yes, he's 28 years old, a bit on the older side, or at least like right in his prime. Um, I feel like why not? Maybe, maybe give him a run out, reward him for the past year or so. Okay. Yeah, I I think Avila is also shout because I mean he replaced Mario Escoto, who I personally thought was pretty good. Uh, Mario Escoto wasn't doing too badly, and yeah, he's doing pretty well for Lobos. I don't think he's been outstanding, but I think he's been good enough. He's definitely having a better stint in his international career than he had in Ecuador with Liga de Quito. So an interesting one. Now, I don't have many questions for Peter because there's not as much surprises as uh, me or Christopher for that matter, but I, I do want to say, I do want to mention Kalins, who was, I, I didn't include him on my list, I just spoiled it right there. Uh, <laughs> he's another player like Sambrano who gets zero mentions from Gareca, and some say it's because he rejected the call-up from Gareca in uh, the Copa America 2016. What are your thoughts on this uh, whole matter? Yeah, it's interesting because certainly with New York City FC, he's been brilliant. I think he was the only player who started and finished all 34 games, if I'm if I'm not wrong. He might have gotten sent off on like the last day, but I'm pretty sure he pretty much finished them all. Um, actually, no, sorry. He did actually get sent off in one against Toronto yeah. FC. I was actually at yeah, that, that game. That was, that was the one that he did not. But either way, started all 34 games and finished 33 of them, which is pretty damn impressive. Um, that's some, that's some really good physicality. Like, well, yeah, exactly. For that. Especially when you're traveling across the United States and Canada, you know, the, obviously the rigors of that travel. Um, plus, again, he also, I think he's just a very good all-around center back in that, you know, he can, he wins balls in the air very well. The one thing I would say is that his touch isn't great, but again, Ramos and Rodriguez don't necessarily like to play around with the ball all that much. They can, they just choose not to. Uh, and of course the system dictates that they don't, but yeah, the whole, you know, so-called, if you want to call it this feud with Gadeca and him is a bit strange, but again, I feel like he probably won't call him up. I just put him in there to make up the numbers. And I mean, again, center backs, you can never really have too many, just like with central midfielders. Right. Okay, I'm going to make my comment short. Basically, anybody that played with Andrea Pirlo and get, hopefully got some of that wisdom should be in the in the main spot. <laughs> so, there you go. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. But, but anyways, yeah. yeah, I mean, kind of kind of along the same lines uh, as uh, what Peter just said, and we'll give you time to for you to do your list. <laughs> Andrea Pirlo, magician. So, yes. yeah, uh, I guess if you don't have anything else to add, I guess I can go on to my list now. So I counted. There is 35, uh, and there is a few surprises in mine. Um, I'd say two, maybe three. So, so here goes Pedro Alese, Carlos Casa, Diego Penny, Jose Carvalho, Alberto Rodriguez, Christian Ramos, Miguel Araujo, Luis Arvincula, Miguel Trauco, Aldo Corso, Anderson Santa Maria, Luis Abram, Nilson Loyola, Gustavo Dulanto, Adrián Sella, Yoshimario Tun, Christian Cueva, André Carrillo, Paolo Hurtado, Renato Tapia, Edison Flores, Pedro Quino, Wilder Cartagena, Alexi Gómez, Sergio Peña, Andy Polo, Alejandro Hoberg, Christian Benavente, José Manzaneda, and as for forwards, Jefferson Forfán, Paolo Guerrero, Raul Ruiz, Jordi Reina, Beto da Silva, Irvin Avila, and Jose Choro. Okay, I'm just kidding about that last one, but. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 
So those are my 35. I had, um, I want to say, two or three surprises in there. Definitely two. Uh, so what do you guys think of that one? Christopher, go for it. Well, you know what? I was actually, like, I, you know, like, I was really thinking about Alianza, right? I was trying to go over my, when I had when I had a few spots to fill in my list of 35, and I'm kind of thinking who Casareca not called in the last 12 months that could could potentially deserve a call up. I actually thought about Hoberg, and I mean it, it's obviously way too early to say, but I, I even thought a little bit about Posito too. I think those yeah. are two good good players from Alianza. Also, because I'm like a personal fan of Posito, right? And from him coming from such humble beginnings, basically. Um, but, I mean, it, it kind of surprises me because it's not a name that we're used to, right? But at the same time, if, if Gareca did, did say, you know, I'm uh, Hover is part of, the, part of the list, I would be like, yeah, okay, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Hover has gotten his chance for the national team. And he didn't take it because I remember he was one of the, he was part of the rebuilding process that Gareca wanted to have. Hobart was one of them, and unfortunately he didn't shine. He didn't do very well, and he was kind of like the weak spot in the Peru team. But he started up the season with Alianza really well, and it's possible to get a recall for the um, for the preliminary squad again. I don't think he'll go to the World Cup, but he'd probably be the third option at least in Flores. I mean, who else do you have there? You have. Jose Manzanera, who is the second option. After that, there's really no one else. It's not, like no that right, it's not like that right wing that's just loaded with options. The left wing is kind of... They got floaters and you don't have much else. So I think Holberg could definitely be an option for the preliminary squad, but it's a big if. He's got to keep performing for Alianza. And Posito's definitely an interesting choice because I think he's a clever tactical player, but he's got to score if he goes for Alianza if he wants to be considered. So, Peter, do you have anything, any thoughts for this one? Uh, well, I guess the other surprise, you, you can briefly explain it, uh, Gustavo Dulanto, why did you uh, include him? Very underrated center back, uh, and he's playing the Libertadores this year, so he's kind of mm-hmm. playing internationally, not playing abroad, of course, but I think he's a really good defender. He started off the season extraordinarily with Garcia Lasso, probably better than with Uta he's improved a lot since he yes. And he's uh, another reason is because the reason I'm guessing Areca chose Adrian Sela for... Um, New Zealand is because of the strength. So yes. I'm kind of going by that. I'm, I chose Dulanto because he's a good defender and because of his height. Yes. So I kind of went for that, uh, for that reasoning. And yeah, and one more thing I wanted to mention before we go, uh, before we go back to this topic or end the pod, it depends on if you guys have anything else to add. Luis Abraham, I chose him, but I didn't, I didn't choose him because uh, as a center back, I chose him as the left-back option, because I think he's a better left-back option than Loyola. I think he's I completely left-back. agree. Completely agree with that. I think I think he's uh, I think he's getting better as a as a player in Argentina. Of course, in Argentina, you don't get many chances. You mess up once, you're going to the bench, especially if you're proving. But uh, I think I think that he's a better left-back option. I think he's playing as left-back at Vélez, and I think he could totally work as the backup. I personally prefer to Loyola many times, so. Yeah, if you guys have anything else to add, let me know. So the one thing I do want to – just quickly on Dulanto, I actually think he might have a better chance of getting called up than Cayens just because he's playing on Libertadores, he's playing in the domestic league, which, of course, Gareca and the coaching staff will be monitoring very closely. Um, And that's actually one position I kind of wanted to add another domestic player in is at center back because I figured that that would be the one area where – a local player would get a call up. So that is 
the other thing. Um, the other, I, I could, maybe I'll throw this question out to all of you. Out of all our so-called surprises, who do you think has the best chance of getting called up? Hmm. All right, so we can tweet that out after the pod's done. Uh, Christopher, do you have anything else to add, or can we end the pod? Well, uh, let me think. Well, I was actually going to bring up Cuba. I think he was some someone that was yeah. uh, kind of called up by Gareca too. That's yeah. someone yeah. that I kind of I kind of thought about adding adding to to my list also. But I guess kind of the position where he plays is kind of a little already a little overcrowded, you could say. I think. But, I think uh, we're, you, you go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I, I think our Roberto Villamarín could have a chance as well. He's not if if he did starts getting game time for Atlas, he could be a choice as well. Yeah. I I would guess I would, I would guess he'd be the third choice right back. But he's got to stop playing in the U20s. He's got to start playing in the in the league or even the Copa MX might be might be something. But he's got to start playing. It's not exactly his choice that he's playing in the under 20s, of course, right? He's yeah, just, it's, not, it's not it's not his choice. But if if he does get the games, like yeah. he could be an option for a preliminary squad because again, he could be part of another rebuilding process that guy could get bring in for the next process. Mm-hmm. So that that could be another choice. But that that's all a question of time. Christopher, I guess you can finish saying what you were saying, and then we can end the pod. Well, I think that was all that I was saying. Well, the the last uh, Peredo saying was that I wanted to bring up was uh, "La tocó, la tocó, la tocó, Peredo." Right? Oh. That's a classic. That was, that was, was more keto us, but they were both involved in it, so oh. that's but fine. I would recommend that that is our closing music for today's podcast. "La tocó." That's yeah, the opening, cool. or the opening is one no. of them. It's, no remix, do the closing, do the closing, let the go, dude. I'll try to do like a little remix for the opening. So, <laughs> that'll that end the pod. Oh, um, that'll end the pod, guys. And uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, my Twitter is always B underscore Bertie 98. Prove Waltz through is at under, not underscore at Prue Waltz. There's I'm no like, underscore oh. Brian. There is no underscore. How many times do I have to tell you guys? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, Christopher, what is your Twitter? I'm Christopher Vizcarra, and you can find me at vis uh, underscore fc. Brilliant. And uh, Peter, what is your Twitter? No underscore in my Twitter either. It's at GalindoPW. And the Peruvian Waltz Twitter is simply at Peru Waltz. There's no underscore at the beginning. There's no underscore in the middle. There's no underscore at the end. Just Peru Waltz, nice and simple. Uh, one day Brian will get that right, believe you me. Then again, he doesn't use he doesn't use the Twitter account as much as I do, so I guess I have an advantage in that area. Um, and yeah, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes as well, if you so please. Okay, so thank you guys for watching. I'm not going to do a terrible outro like I did uh, I think two weeks ago, where I said "Stay Gold Bang" or something. I don't <laughs> know. It was a, it was oh, a it was a cowboy bop reference, but it was um it was terrible. So. Oh, and the pod, just in the regular way, we're signing off. Thank you for listening. Make sure you catch us next week around the same time. See ya.